This life-transforming message is brought to you by the Redeemed Christian Fellowship, RCF Research. Be blessed as you listen to God's Word. session on Thursday, right? And of course, I know that that is given to demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit. However, I want to appeal to you that in a service as this, I will teach, I've been asked to teach, it's word feast I'm teaching. I'm not laying hands on anybody. <laughs> um, but uh, there are impartations that happen, particularly on the kind of emphasis that I'm going to be speaking about. It's, it's just inevitable that impartations will happen even if it's not a power nine as it were. So I want you to yield and um, you know you know what you do when the Holy Ghost is knocking at your door. You know you should know how to respond. And if you don't know, well you, you can learn that. And um, as we have this conversation tonight. Really should not be, it shouldn't be a surprise um, if there are, there are overwhelming expressions of you know, the grace of the Spirit. So, just to set your mind in order and um, prep it for whatever it is that might knock in your direction. Hallelujah. I would stick to the script, but um, I know him. I know him. So, I know that he can. Um, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell. So, but I'm going to stick to the script all the same. And if he's knocking in your direction, maybe personal knockings. Um, just yield to him. You don't need the entire hall to be in that same frequency. If you know that I'm receiving dealings that suggest there's going to be a problem on me, particularly and my ministry. You to him. Hallelujah. So I want to say that just before I teach tonight. Last night we learned from the text, Second Corinthians chapter 3. I spoke on able ministers by the grace of God. I would emphasize something similar but also slightly different tonight. But one more time, let us do a reading of the text, 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 4 to 6. And so trust we have, or have we through Christ to God's word, that is towards God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. We also rather who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament not of the letter but of the spirit 
for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So tonight I would minister on the subject titled Able Ministers by the Spirit. Able Ministers by the Spirit. Last night, Able Ministers by the grace of God. Tonight, Able Ministers by the Spirit. Let's pray for a few seconds. Holy Ghost, we trust that this is our moment, it's our season, it's our time, it's our day. We yield to all that you intend to do. And as you knock, we open up our lives, our future, our members, to your will and to your way. So have your way in our midst. Prevail amongst us. Be Lord of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Able ministers by the Spirit. Last night my introduction was about the exclusive nature of the old covenant and how it was emphatically about the Jewish nation. However, the new covenant brought about an inclusiveness. So we saw from salvation that we are, we, we, I mean, we had access because of the new covenant. Although we are not Jews um, by nature, the principle of faith allowed us to have access into grace. Because, you see, that's something that Paul kept emphasizing in his letters. That Abraham, as father of faith, meant that anybody who practiced faith could assess what Abraham had. And so even if they were not Jews, per se, or even if they didn't have the signs of circumcision. I like the way Paul extensively explained the concept. He said, even Abraham was not justified when he was circumcised. Circumcision was only a sign, an after sign. And he had been justified. And so, just because you are not circumcised, and that term not circumcised refers to the signature of the Jewish limit, does not mean you cannot assess the grace of God by faith. So we clearly saw from several scriptures and from several instances how the new covenant brought about the possibility of we, Gentiles, getting saved, and then how the new covenant also brought about the possibility of many other people doing ministry beyond the you know the concept of a tribe like we had it um, over Levi. Amen. And so I want to also start in that same regards tonight. The old covenant also differed from the new covenant because it was performance based. It was based on human effort. Uh once again, I said last night that I want you to understand the Old Covenant from a very solid perspective, but I don't have time to really explain most of the things that are quite dicey. I know that many people have thought wrongly about the Old Covenant and suggested it was even Moses' innovation. And, you know, and when you hear things like, uh, you know, the letter kill it, and you're probably thinking that, oh, maybe God set it up just to be killing people or to be harming people. That's not a good way to look at it. But the old covenant obviously was human performance based. Its sustainability or its sustenance was according to the human capacity. I'll show you scriptures to explain thoroughly. One of the reasons why the old covenant could not continue is to reveal the 
fragility of the human life. The fact that human life does not continue. So the old covenant could not also continue. Because everything about the old covenant was sustained. Not sourced. It was sourced from God, but its sustenance was about human performance. Let's look at a few scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8 to 10. It explains the working principles of the new covenant. But it first begins with explaining the sustaining principle of the old covenant. For finding fault with them. Everybody say them. Come and say them. Okay, finding fault with them. He said, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant. So this was the problem. They, now, it was the covenant of God. God called it my covenant. But, you know, the, the, that, that covenant had to, it is, its design could only function continually if humans continued in it. God was going to keep his path. God was certainly not going to fail in the covenant. Okay? But because the covenant involved two entities, these other guys, the fathers, the Jews, Israel, did not continue in it. That's why the covenant as it were failed. It was human performance based. The weakness of this covenant was not because God was weak, but because a lot of the covenant, a lot of the covenant contracts <laughs> were based on human performance. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Then look at the, the tenets or principles of the new covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them and I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. So you see the emphasis shifting here. In the old covenant they had to do a lot of I mean, human efforts to memorize, remember. But God says that this new covenant, because the old one could not, it, it could not be sustained. Because you are humans. The best of you will live for 120 years. They are humans. I mean, one of the reasons the new covenant is an everlasting covenant is because the priest of the new covenant is an everlasting priest. Hallelujah. The priest of the old covenant began with Aaron, continued, continued, but it continued. However, once the priest dies, he hands over to his son, and then there was an there was there were always breaks. Basically, one of the reasons Jesus had to come in the order of Melchizedek, which is the power of an endless life, was for this purpose. The the new covenant is eternal in nature because it is sustained by. A divine life. Hallelujah. So that's another difference you need to know. Put it back in Second Corinthians 3. Let's see this emphasis of eternal. Now, Paul comparing the old covenant and the new covenant, 
let me look at it, the verse exactly, where he, he, he got to the point where he was speaking about the fact that Moses wore a veil over his face. That should be in verse. Okay, let's start from verse 7. And we'll rush with downwards. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Now, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to help you because I know how these things work, really. Uh, one of the ways you open up yourself to the, the dealings of the Spirit, respond. If I say anything, just, just respond. I know you may be tired. Okay, but just respond. Just respond. I know how it works. You trust me? Do you trust me? Okay. But if the ministration of death written and engraving in stones was glorious, so we agree that this old covenant was glorious. Okay? So that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance. So it was so glorious they could not look at his face. You remember the story? Okay. Now, which glory was to be done away? The phrase done away meant it was not a permanent glory. How shall not the ministration of the spirits be rather glorious? So, Paul is now trying to describe the, the basis of glory. And he shifts the conversation from intensity to sustainability. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, how much does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory? For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. So the emphasis is now about did it last? Did it continue? That's how we... Because you must understand how to measure value in the realm of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You must learn the indices to say this is better and this is worse. It is, and one of the key things is does it last? Does it continue? If it does not last, it's cheap. If it lasts, of course, if you buy gold and after three weeks, you can suspect that I bought fake gold. Is that not so? Come on, are we still together? But if, if you buy it and you hand it over to your granddaughter <laughs> and she intends to hand it over to her granddaughter, you know that, okay, you bought real quality stuff. Do you understand the logic now? Okay. Now for, okay, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great pain as of speech. Okay, go ahead. And not as Moses which put a veil over his face. Now in the day that the documentations of these events was recorded, we were not told why Moses put a veil beyond the regular observation that it was too bright. Now, Paul now gives us an expo. Gives us a secret here. <laughs> he says, put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not stand and look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay, the last verse, but we all with open faces beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. Now, one of the reasons Moses 
wore a veil, or one of the advantages of the veil was that even when the glory faded, they did not know. Are you with me? That was the advantage of the veil. And Moses did not say that. But Paul is now saying, well, the veil helped in the sense that when it faded, this glory was not permanent. But Israel did not know. <laughs> Moses think what if it, Moses think that the veil had gone and the glory had faded, but he was still wearing the veil. He was still acting like, yeah, this is this day, this is the day. That, that's not to, to make light of Moses' ministry, it's to make you see the temporal nature of the old covenant. Those things are just patterns and types. Hallelujah. Now, why am I saying all of this? The old covenant was not glorious in its fullness because it did not last. Why it did not last was that it was based on human performance. Everything that humanity maintains cannot last. Everything that is sustained and maintained by human energy, human power, human wisdom cannot last. So they are to be the ones to, I mean, look for a sacrifice. They are to shed the blood of bulls and rams and goats. The blood that they sprinkled was not really very valuable. The, the, the new covenant is on a different level because when we talk about the new covenant, we are talking about, first of all, an eternal high priest. Then he shed what is referred to as an eternal blood. It was the blood of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember that in Acts 20 and verse 28. Put it on the screen please. Let me confirm. Acts 20, 28. So it's not just... Now the cheap... Now why, why we call the blood of bulls cheap? It's not just because it's an animal. But because what's the, what's the eternal state of an animal? Are you following me here? It's an animal. I mean, it's not even going to go to hell. <laughs> so, in terms of eternal scales, an animal is very cheap. Now, we are talking about the blood, not of bulls, now, not just of humans, but the blood of God, over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseas to feel the truth of God, which he made, okay, which he had purchased with his own blood. So, the Holy Ghost made pastors overseas to fit the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. So the blood of Jesus is the blood of God. Hallelujah. Its value is in its eternal relevance. Everything that is sustained by humanity cannot continue forever. And in the new covenant, the implication of that truth goes on to buttress some of the things I said last night. Ministry is God's work done by God's power for God's purpose through God's people. Is that not so? Ministry is eternal in scope. That's why it has to be done by God. New Testament ministry is eternal in scope. New covenant is eternal in scope. That's why it has to be sustained by God. God says, I can't keep this new covenant in the hands of men. Eh? They cannot be the one to decide the quality of it. They can't. So I will write my laws in their minds. Now look, look, at, look at the old covenant now. You see, just with Deuteronomy 28, you understand. 
He says, if you would hearken, if you will hearken and obey, if you will hearken diligently and he put the emphasis on them. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you. But in the new covenant, he says, I will write my laws on their minds. Glory to God. God says, I'm taking responsibility. The ones that we did that time will not continue because your fathers failed me. And they had to fail. God knows the frailty of human nature. The best of them failed. Moses himself didn't enter the promised land. The best of them failed. God says, I'm no longer, longer leaving this in your hands. It's going to be me that will sustain this covenant. So, the, when you understand that, and you now translate to the idea of New Testament ministry, you now understand why it has to be done by God's power. You understand what Peter said when he says, whoever ministers, let him minister with the ability that God gives. Because New Testament ministry is eternal in scope. Hallelujah. So, although ministry is God's work, you must understand that anything that happens on the realm of, or in the realm of the earth um, needs human aid, as it were. We see that from salvation. Jesus came to redeem the world. He had to come as man. If he came as angels, he was not qualified. One of the reasons for this, let me explain this. Since I'm just teaching. In, in Israel, there was, a, there was a principle or a law of redemption. And it had to be your next of kin that can redeem you. So if, if, if I am sold as a slave, a stranger cannot redeem me. Hello? If I sell my, myself because I entered into a covenant with somebody and I could not pay back my debts and I become their slave. There was a law to redeem me, but it is only my brother, my next of kin, that's what we call it, that has the legal right to say, I want to buy back this guy. A stranger, no matter how rich he is, does not have the legal right to say, I'm buying him back. So if Jesus came as an angel or came in the form of an angel, and all he needed to do to come as in form of angel was to come as fire and wind. Um, what we did in Hebrews chapter 1, he makes his angels spirit, which is wind, and his ministers flames of fire. He's trying to, he's trying to describe the nature, the, the let me use the word texture of angelic existence. The ministers there does not mean ministers in our ranks, like ministers of the gospel. It means angels. Put it in Hebrews chapter 1. So there's an assumption that angels are made up of fire and wind. The phrase he makes his angels spirits. Maybe it's Hebrews 1 6. I'm not too sure. Right, seven. And of the angels, he said, Who makes his angels spirit? The word spirit here is pneuma, which is wind. Amen. And his ministers is talking about the angels, true. Because Hebrews 1, in fact, the book of Hebrews is just to show the superiority of Christ over Moses, over Aaron, over. In- but it began with angels. So you see all the conversations before. Which of the angels has he called son? Which of them did he call Lord? And all of that was true. Because so many Jewish folks who saw angels as deity, 
Or who saw Jesus in the same class as angels? Hallelujah. So if, if Jesus wanted to come as angels, he, he would just come as wind and spirit. That's He won't come as flesh and blood. The flesh described him sharing in our brotherhood is that he came as flesh and blood. Angels are wind and spirit but Jesus came as flesh and blood. Now why did he have to come? If he had come as flesh and blood, he wouldn't suffer. Or if he has come as wind and spirit, he wouldn't suffer. He couldn't even taste death. And the law of redemption, he could not activate it because he is not our brother if he comes as wind and spirit. I'm only your brother if I can feel your pain. <laughs> and somebody says, I know what you are going through. Right, it depends. Do you, do you feel my pain or you are just you are just you are just saying it from an external perspective? Hallelujah. Jesus couldn't sit in heaven and say, I feel their pain. He, he, he had no right to say that actually. So he came, <laughs> tasted flesh and blood. That's why he, he, he is now an he's now a high priest that, that understands your infirmity. And it's not just mentally understanding it. He, he, has, he has experience to back up when he says, I know what you're going through. He does. Hallelujah. But even though he came as flesh and blood, or rather he came as God in flesh, the point is that everything he needed to achieve on the earth, he had to achieve it as man. Man. So although God is the one that does the work of ministry, we cannot say ministry is ministry until it's done through man. If it's done through angels, we don't really, in, in theological terms, we don't really call it ministry. Although it says it makes his ministers, which is referring to angels. So angels are also ministers in a sense. But in a real sense, ministry is God's work through God's people. In Exodus chapter 3, I like the way God had that conversation with Moses. And I want you to see it here. It will show you how the emphasis is still God, but yet men are important in executing it. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 5. He said, draw not nigh or don't come close. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place wherein thou standest is a holy ground. Whatever I said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob and Moses, and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, now listen closely, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down. Who has come down? Come on, talk to me. Who has come down? And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large. Go ahead, go ahead to verse um, 9. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression. So I have seen, I have heard, I, am, I have come down. Go to verse 10. 
come now therefore and I will send thee. Are we together? I have seen. I have heard. I am come down. <laughs> but come and I will send thee. <laughs> it's not the way God is. He saw the oppression. He heard the, the cries. He even said he has come down. But now he now says, uh, but come, I will send thee. And he was talking to a man here. That's ministry. <laughs> it's, and that's why Moses had to learn that lesson. That it was not going to be by the prowess of physical combat that you were going to take my people out of Israel. So you kill an Egyptian and you think that you are going to be the savior. No. You know balance like that too. If Moses had successfully, as it were, by his, you know, familiarity with the Egyptian army, helped Israel to come out of Egypt, it's not ministry. You can call it anything. Moses was very nice. He did well. He tried. He was a brave warrior, but it's not ministry. Ministry has to be God's power. Huh? Even though if it's, if it's God's purpose and you do it through human power, it's not ministry. Hello. I want you to get this. Because, like I'm saying, in New Testament emphasis, especially, ministry is eternal in scope. If you do it with human power, you know it will last. There's a lot of activities done with human power. That's why there's no lasting fruit. You can threaten people to stop masturbating. You can threaten them out of some habit. <laughs> but if it is not by the spirit, it's only three days, three weeks, three months, they will return. To their vomit, and you go shock you. And they cry, though they come to the other call crying. You can use human psychology to make people cry to the altar. If you don't administer the spirit, it will not last. Are you listening to me? Yeah? And of course, human, you see, human power is very cheap. <laughs> it's cheap, just like blood of bulls and goats. It's everywhere. There are many 12 packs, biceps and triceps. It's everywhere. You must learn what New Testament ministry is. If not, you would notice you are relying on the flesh to execute the burdens of the spirit. And you will get some few sp- some sprinkles of results, but lasting impact in no good day. It's the problem of modern Christianity. We have not learned this principle. Ministry, God's work, God's purpose, God's power, God's people. Glory to God. Ministry eternal in scope, and so the only thing that can sustain it is the power of God. We're talking about able ministers, and I need you to understand: an able minister is simply a believer who or through whom God finds full expression. The idea of an able minister is not. I don't want you to put it. I don't want you to see it as somebody who has received much power from God, much ability from God, not necessarily. That's not it. Because some of you now begin to you begin to define yourself and rate yourself based on okay, I have gift of healing. Okay, I have gift of prophecy. No. Those individual gifts are not the issue. And if you learn ministry like that, you will struggle. The ultimate gift is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Ghost. Now, what you need to learn is yielding 
in such a way that the Holy Ghost finds expression through you. Instead of chasing, see, instead of chasing gift of healing, I go for impartation for gift of healing. And I'm not saying that cannot happen. Let me let me help you with a better way. If you master yielding to the Holy Ghost, who is the possessor of all gifts, when there is a need for healing, the Holy Ghost will heal through you. You may say I don't have a gift of healing, no problem. You may say I'm not a prophet, but if there's a need to prophesy, the Holy Ghost will prophesy through you. Are you following me here? That's a better approach. Instead of prioritizing and emphasizing those individual gifts, learn to yield to the ultimate gift. It contains everything. Hallelujah. And that's that's how Jesus made his apostles able ministers. Jesus didn't go about emphasizing, oh, Peter, I give you gift of preaching. Oh, I give you gift of uh, prophecy. He just introduced them to the ultimate gift. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from an eye, which was the gift of the Spirit, or I mean the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The emphasis was on the Holy Ghost Himself. That's how we molded them to become able. Not chasing individual things. Individual. Of course, Paul even says that we should desire prophecy. But even in desiring prophecy and in experiencing or expressing prophecy consistently, it's about learning to yield to the spirit of prophecy. I mean the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Don't make an idol out of those gifts. Because some of us think that we can just chase the gifts and ignore the giver. As it were. Prioritize the gifts. I want prophecy. I want prophecy. But the last time the, the last time you obeyed the Holy Ghost was four years ago. But every impartation service you are there. They have laid hands on you. They have poured on your head. Echo everything. Empty oil. You don't you don't know how to taste this thing. You don't know the the powers. People see people who operate consistently in this gift. They don't necessarily emphasize the individual gifts. Just learn how to yield. You don't have to be tagged. So yeah, this person is at by prophecy. No. Just be full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit. And everything that, that, that needs to be done towards the edification of the saints, your life is already available. Hallelujah. That's why you see, particularly Old Testament prophets, you notice every kind of signs, wonders, miracles work to them. Whether healings, whether prophecy, maybe only diverse kinds of tongues and tongues which we New Testament emphasized abilities. Everything. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. It worked because their emphasis was not about the individual giftings. So just learning to yield to the God of all grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So since ministry is eternal in scope and we've said if it's eternal in scope it can only be done by God's power. Of course you see from several scriptures that the Holy Ghost cannot be separated from God's power. Or you cannot separate God's power rather from the Holy Ghost. That's what I'm teaching on able ministers by the Spirit. So if you learn how to yield to the Spirit, then God's power will find expression easily through you. And that's exactly how Jesus did it. Luke chapter 4 verse 1, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And then subsequently, I think in verse 14, thereabouts, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Well, 14 of us, 18 now. 
He returned in the power of the Spirit. And so Jesus did ministry by the Spirit. Everybody say by the Spirit. In the Spirit. By the Spirit. In the Spirit. In fact, you can say for Jesus, ministry did not begin until the endowment of the Spirit. You can say that. Until he returned in the power of the Spirit. Ministry didn't begin. Good man, yes. Great man, yes. Kind man, yes. But what is called ministry, which was summarized in Isaiah 61. In fact, Isaiah 61 told us that ministry is only possible by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me. Verse 18 of this chapter tells us that that was what Jesus did as ministry. So he quoted from Isaiah 61. When he opened that scroll, he quoted from or read from Isaiah 61. And he said, from today, this ministry operations, you begin to see them in my life. So, for Jesus, ministry did not begin until this spirit encounters, spirit experience, spirit leadings, spirit returnings. And he told the apostles the same thing. There are many things, there are many nice things you can do. But if it's not by the spirit, it is not ministry. Hallelujah. So tarry, wait, 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 wait. Many people have gone to open church. They have gone to design logo. They have gone to Google Visions. They don't know how to wait for the Spirit. See, when Jesus told the apostles, tarry. Do you know that the apostles had already healed in Luke chapter 9? They had healed the sick. Okay? They had cast out devils. And of course, they did that also by the Spirit. However, however, Jesus was introducing them to a permanent reality because he was going to leave. And the Spirit was going to come indwell them and come upon them. So it's not like Peter could not do ministry. He could not do general ministry. When Jesus says, wait, tarry. It's not like they have not learned some things. I'm telling you that many of the things we are involved in, if only you know how to yield to the Spirit, the impact will be stronger. Hallelujah. Many of the things you are doing and you think, well, I'm trying, I'm getting some results. If you know how to yield, respond to the Holy Ghost, Ah, uh-huh. the potency will be much more. The harvest will be greater. A lot of people who sweat and toil, waste their energies, trying to do use human strength to execute <laughs> eternal errands. It's a waste of time. Learn to just wait on the spirit. Yield to the spirit, because if Jesus had to wait, I mean, you think at age twenty-nine he couldn't do much. He had, from age 12, he was already arguing with the doctors of the law. Is that not so? Come on, are we still together? It's not like he was daft at age 28, 27. But it was age 30 that uh, this spirit returning happened. And that's why you now see ministry. The spirit of God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach glad tidings. How can I, You see, it's the temptation to preach without the spirit is so strong. Maybe he's preaching. I will open the Bible and I will say, you would say, but there will be no internal impact. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you will not say. They may even give you an honorarium. Dangerous seed. 
but eternal impact you no know, good day. You would think I'm trying, no, I'm working for God. When you get to heaven, God will say, This particular one, you didn't do by my power, so it is not ministry. There is no reward for anything that is not done by my power. Are you listening to me? I was telling our church and I said, I will emphasize it soon too. The temptation to do missionary activities now with just humanistic ability, you carry rice, you carry fish, you carry yam to a village. And you really believe that the principalities and powers in that village because you brought yam and fish and apple, it will submit to the gospel. You don't know what you, you don't know what ministry is. Charity is good, though. Charity is helpful, though. Charity is you cannot be separated from Christianity. But if you rely on just sharing rice to open the doors of territories to the gospel. You, you, you really underrate what the gospel is. You underrate what ministry is. You really don't know what ministry is. Hallelujah. Put it back on the second Corinthians chapter 10. I'd like you to see this emphasis here before I begin to mention. Okay. So, second Corinthians 10 and verse 3, please. I need you to understand how Paul saw ministry. You, you won't appreciate this conversation as long as you believe that ministry can be done by human ability. You will not rely on the spirit. You will not, know the, you will not find any use to wait on the spirit. You will not. You don't say, what is, what is in preaching? What is in singing? I casually wrote a song. Casually. And dropped it on the internet. And somebody was going to commit suicide, heard the song, changed their mind, called me. Uh, if you do it by the Spirit, you will get eternal results, I'm telling you. If you do it without the Spirit, you may even win Grammy. Eh? Best gospel. I, I don't know how gospel music has been good to Grammy. A, 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 a Christian attending the Grammy Awards. Some of us, if Satan gives us an award, you go collect. I recognize your voice. It's so wonderful. I, I used to sing. And I'm telling you, your voice is so good. I want to award you. You will collect it. For your mind, you do ministry. Ministry with Satan, they applaud. Can Satan ever applaud ministry? Can Satan ever affirm ministry? Isn't Satan supposed to be threatened by ministry? Should Satan be attracted to ministry? So when you see a Christian going to collect Grammy Award, you know that there's compromise. And many of uh, I was watching the last Grammy Award and I saw what the Christian award to the Grammy. I say I understand why they awarded you because you are just, you are part of them just singing religious tunes. And everybody can sing. Have you seen the eternal weight of our hymns? Oh Lord, my God! We, every time we sing it, even in the next hundred years, it still carries relevance. Because they were written by men of the spirit. But our jams, eh? our jams where they win award, best gospel out of the year. After three years, it will fade. Because in the lyrics of the songs are popular trending cliches. So after three years, when there's another popular trending cliche, that song is no longer relevant. You don't understand me. <laughs> Give me any popular cliche now. Poor man picking good things saying, uh, 
Now, if I write a song on that phrase, a gospel song, I can do that. Oh, yeah, it's very easy for me to. It's very cheap. You don't need, you don't need much intelligence to write the kind of song that I write now. Very cheap nonsense. So I go to, I just ask for a groove. Just to give me. Right, I go studio. I go partner. I collabo with any of these. I don't blow. But after three years, when that phrase "poor man picking goods" is no more trending, the song automatically loses value. Do you understand me here? Second Corinthians 10 3. For though we walk in the flesh, that is, though we are human beings, when it says walk in the flesh here, yeah, it's not talking about walking in the flesh in the context of Galatians chapter 5. But he's saying, though we are humans, we do not war. Everybody say war. Because ministry is war. Please, give, you may not, you, you, can't, so you can't appreciate this if you don't understand King James language. So give me NLT from verse 1. I like you to see how Paul approaches his Corinthian audience. I like you to see his scope of reasoning. We are women. But no, put it as one place. Now, I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. I beg you. Bro, I realize you think I am timid. We explained that yesterday. I realize you all think I'm timid in person and bold only when I ride from, from far away. Well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bored with those who think we act from human motives. We are women, but we don't wage war as women do. What does it mean by wage war? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we punish everyone who remains disobedient. So the Corinthian audience obviously had sized all up. You know, if you read the entire book, you will notice there is some rivalry sentiment. When you see First Corinthians 3 and Paul saying, I plant Apollo waters, God gives it the increase. Apollos and I are nothing. The main thing is God that gives the increase. You would clearly see that the Corinthian church, some of them leaned towards Apollo's ministry. Some of them leaned towards Paul's ministry. If you read Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes the people as super apostles who were actually smart guys. They had lots of eloquence and oratory, but they were not necessarily laboring for Christ. And the Corinthian church was giving much attention to those guys. Maybe they had a way to speak that was captivating. Paul didn't speak with such eloquence. So he admitted, he said, I know you guys think that, well, well I'm just one of those ordinary guys. And I'm only very powerful when I write. So although we are humans, we do not war like humans. And so he's saying, when we do ministry, when I preach to you, when I teach you, when I command you, I'm not doing it as just a woman being. And he tells us why. It's when he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I like you to know it's not even a prayer context. It's a preaching, teaching ministry context. Because he tells us what he's trying to do. 
casting out imaginations, we put it in verse 4. We use God's mighty weapon, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reason. Suppose so when I get into a debate, eh, and I'm, I'm opening scriptures and arguing scriptures with the Jews or the Gentiles, wherever I find them, it is war. I'm contending for their souls because ministry is war. And to win that war, I cannot use human weapons hallelujah hallelujah that's why you cannot go to village thinking I brought yam, they will listen to me because I brought yam we brought plenty clothes you don't know what ministry is there's a lot of trying to be kind, trying to be tolerant that we think will be the attraction of the church say no, don't condemn them don't judge them and yes, we should not be judgmental the gospel is good news but there are many of those instructions that help us to be more human than divine be nice if our selling points eh, our sisters smiling at the door of our church event that's our selling but that's our marketing strategy what makes us different from bank marketers what makes us different from people marketing clothes? What makes us different from people marketing anything canna? If our selling point, I, I've seen all the, I've seen most of the content creation from church, church in today, today's age, and, and I'm worried. Why am I worried? The selling point is faji. Selling point is the dance, the vibes. So I'm supposed to, as a non-believer, watch a reel and see the vibes of a church environment and want to come to church. That's why when they come and you are preaching, they cannot stay. Because what attracted them was not... They came for vibes. When will the vibes start? <laughs> Don't they preach? The Bible says, the Bible says, open your Bible, the Bible says, please, this is boring. The generation of Christians we are producing have no interest in, in substance. They don't. Because what's our marketing strategy? Hallelujah. I, I saw our, my media team in our church. They working hard, planning on what to do to advertise the church. And out of all they made, they could not wait extra 10 seconds of my message. I said, please stop it. Stop this non-skilling. We are, sorry, my, my church is Rema Chapel. We call ourselves the home of the blessed, one pumping station. You are advertising the church. You are, you are, you are showing dance. Wow. Wow. So when I'm preaching, they will be sleeping. Because they came for vibes. Are you listening to me? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Ministry, eh? Ministry. If you don't do it by godly weapons, feel it. You are preaching, you are singing. If you call it ministry, please do it by godly weapons. Because watch it. Now, what we are even dealing with? Now, what we are dealing with? Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians chapter 6. But against principalities and powers. 
Ah, uh-uh. spiritual wickedness in high places. Now you want to use faji? You want to use faji? Destroy spiritual wickedness in every places. <laughs> in many of our meetings, Satan is comfortable. <laughs> he's very, he's happy. He's welcome because there are no divine weapons. Because people don't know what ministry is. It is God's work for God's purpose by God's power, by God's people. The emphasis is God, 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 God. Paul says we don't use worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reason and to destroy false arguments. We use God's mighty weapons. I like what he says in the King James the weapons of our warfare are not canal, they are mighty true God. Our fathers who conquered the villages did not have the eloquence, the packaging, the paraphernalia that we have. They went there with a bell. <laughs> and when they rang that bell, the angels gathered. We have everything sound system, packaging, not address, not to speak. But there is no true God. So we have to go back to learn what, what really is ministry. We gathered a thousand. The crowds are coming to the stadiums. Yes, the stadiums are filled. Yes. The conference and seminars are filled. Yes. But there's no eternal relevance. That's why we can't even change the texture of society morale. I mean, Christianity in Nigeria is so, I mean, it's so not impactful that it's so useless. I'm going to use that word. That the fabric of society, moral standards cannot even be changed. We, we have church plants everywhere, church programs everywhere, church activities everywhere. But we have not been able to change society. Not in a spiritual way, in a moral way. Forget spiritual. Moral way. Uh-huh. Because we are fighting with human weapons. It's about the kind of AC you have. Good music, what they call good music, is music that they enjoy, sensual stuff. That's why people can people can do music concerts and give a musician one million dollars. No, that's too extreme. One million naira as an honorarium, but can, they don't have any any missionary that they they are supporting. Huh? you don't know that you don't know that's a mad. Somebody came. To sing for 30 minutes, you gave him a million naira, and you you don't know what to do with money. And there are missionaries in Burundi who say, All we need, we just want um, tracts and Bibles. We are looking for to support us. Ah, Modern church, (laughs) we are a spectacle to hell. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. But it's because many, many people don't understand what ministry is. So back to my emphasis. Able ministers by the Spirit. When you see it as, oh, it's eternal in scope. It has to be eternal in relevance. You would have to now rely on the Spirit. You you, you do Bible school, microwave Bible school, six weeks. You can be ordained. People have not gone to the school of the Spirit. They tell them how to stand, how to not tie, how to hold the microphone. And they are good to go. I planted in that church and somebody must edit. Huh. So we have caricatures who bring disgrace 
to the known God. One of the reasons why ministry is sacred is because God's reputation is at stake. I'll say that again. In ministry, God's reputation is at stake. Because if ministry is God's work for God's purpose, done by God's power. It is not your reputation at stake, it is God's reputation at stake. God's reputation at stake. So it has to be done by the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Glory to God. One scripture to portray this Romans 15 19. Paul speaks about his ministry and like you to see how he describes what he does. Alright, the end of it says they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. That same sentiment in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3 before my preaching did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit. Yeah, that's the only way to do ministry. That's the only way. That's the only way to do ministry. Okay. Now, I want to now mention four or five things we can do to, or we should begin to do. They are just adjustments towards yielding to the Spirit. Many of them are mental adjustments. The first is that to be an able minister by the Spirit, give yourself to the Word of God. Simple stuff. However, let me explain. I don't think it is... Not, not I don't think. I am saying that vertically. There's no way a man can work for God without knowing God. You see, your first assignment in ministry is to know God. It's like an organization that employs a staff. And the first orientation or the first few months, maybe six weeks or three months or six months, is to make them familiar with what we stand for. Our goals. Our priorities. So, if you're going to be an able minister, you will have to yield to the Spirit. And yielding to the Spirit includes the school of the world, which is is fundamentally for familiarity with your boss. What is the school of the world? It is not just to quote scriptures. It's family. When you go to discover the world, you are familiar with your boss. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. It's 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 terrible when you see ministers who say, eh, "Me, I'm not really. I don't do doctrine, but I, I mean, my own is just prophecy." Yeah. You don't do doctrine, but you, you only just prophecy. That's why you see preachers prophesy error. Because even the little demon possessed girl in Acts 16 could also prophesy. Python spirit, spirit of divination, Acts 16. <laughs> Satan also has false prophets, and there are false expressions of the prophetic. What doctrine is teaching, by the way? So all scripture given by the children of God, profitable for doctrine. 
and then for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17. That the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work, the good work of ministry actually. Hallelujah. This is how to yield to the Spirit. You give yourself to the Word. You give yourself to the Word. You know, these days we try to separate ministry of the word from ministry of the spirit. It's not, it's not possible. You don't separate them. Jesus says the words that I speak to you, they are spirits and they are life. The spirit speaketh expressly. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. The word inspiration of God refers to God breathed, which is the spirit of God, the breath of God. Second Peter 1, verse 21, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the spirit. You don't separate scripture from the spirit. You don't separate the word from the spirit. They are the same thing. Hallelujah! So the ministry of the word is the ministry of the spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Get into the word! That's how to yield. Now, so our potency differs because our yielding to the spirit differs. And our yielding to the spirit differs in that our yielding to the word differs. <laughs> God is not partial. God is not biased. God has no favorite. The man through whom he walks much more is the man who has yielded much more to the Spirit. And the man who has yielded much more to the Spirit is the man who has given himself much more to the Word. Hallelujah! That's why you no formula. You give yourself to the Word. And what it does is that it makes you familiar. You see, when you're familiar with your boss, God, then you notice that it's like an automatic qualification for the dispensing of God's power. Now listen, last night we spoke about the fact that you are already qualified to ministry. Is that not so? Your qualification is God who redeemed you, saved you, washed you. But it's one thing to be qualified for ministry is another thing to do ministry effectively. Two different things. All of us, any believer is qualified for ministry. Yes. But not all believers do ministry effectively because the lesson does not stop in I have been qualified. You must learn also what makes for potency. Potency. Glory to Jesus. You give yourself to the word. You give yourself Jesus' ministry. One of the windows that you can peep into to know his secrets was the way it was called. His most popular identification was a rabbi. Teacher. And what did he teach? Scriptures, of course. <laughs> a few people called him prophet. The woman at the the woman at the well, John chapter 4 called him prophet. The writer of Hebrews calls him an apostle. He said, I'm shepherd with my pastor. And he also sought the loss, made him an evangelist. But his most dominant description by the crowd was, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi. The measure of the word. I'm worried for the next generation of ministers who do not have capacities to teach the word. Everybody can do anointing service. Fall down, break chairs, scatter. Power, move. But this word dissecting capacity, it is a reduce. So 
that's why people cannot wear the badge of I'm a teacher again. Either you're an apostle or a prophet. The office of the teacher is now almost going extinct. Hey, you don't know that there's fire on the mountain like that. So we have a concept of a prophet with an address. Not a Sunday school teacher. What he's saying is that uh, the teaching ministry is of no, of no value, no substance. Hey! Rabbi! That was the dominant description of the Lord. If there's no teaching, what are we doing? What, what, what ministry are we doing? What did Paul speak about in 2 Corinthians 10? Please. This teaching ministry there. When he says, we war by teaching. Oh, you think it's only by language prayer. Territorial warfare. It's more. He's teaching. We do territorial warfare by teaching. <laughs> Hallelujah! Even though Paul will enter into a synagogue and argue for three days. And when he comes out, there will be certain converts, even gentle women, who say, we, we like your ministry, sir. That was war. That was territorial warfare. Oh, Amen. <laughs> we are humans, but we don't wait to as humans do. Give me another version. Maybe the amplified. I've seen the NLT emphasis. For though we walk, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destructions of strongholds. Strongholds are mental reasonings dislodged by the truth. Strongholds are layers of lies and deception. Second Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world has blinded their minds. Yes, the light of the glorious God should shine from their hearts. Go to verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasons, it happened by preaching and teachings. This is refuting argument. Because most of the you see the communicate the I can understand the evangelical approach in acts was more debating than preaching. I say slowly, the evangelical approach in the book of Acts was not even going to do crusade. Especially for the mutual Paul, it was argument. If we enter the synagogue, we argue, we prove from scripture that this Jesus is the Messiah. Particularly with the Jews. Among the Gentiles, there were a lot of miracles that you know, but most of the issues were arguments of the mind that were discussed by teaching, and most of the teaching there happened by debate. In fact, the, the regular Jewish teaching culture was that a teacher would sit down, students would ask questions. That's how they learned. You ask, I answer. Just like frequently ask questions, you ask, I answer. That's how they. That was the culture setting. Just not like one man would microphone like we are doing here. Are we together? So warfare here is teaching ministry, preaching ministry. Proud and love teaching that sets itself up against the true knowledge because there were false knowledges. As it were. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. It's my teaching. It's my teaching. So, and of course, if, if we keep de-emphasizing the word I am the next generation of ministers. I don't know what the caricature that we'll be doing. I don't understand. I was in a very cool way. I was talking with a few other men of God, and one was lamenting that he went for a world conference and teaching time was 45 minutes. So he asked, if it's not world conference, what would be the duration? Ah, 
<laughs> well, I don't blame the organizers. They have seen that the crowd has no delight in the breaking of bread. And we, we many times we just exist to maintain and service our numbers. Our numbers must not drop. So we must do what the people like. It was Reverend Tolu, what Apostle Tolu was saying that he was in a meeting in Lagos and he was teaching. And people from the, the audience, you could hear them say, Oh, this way they please stop, Jared, start to prophesy. He had to warn them that I am teaching, but if I curse you, you go enter. And they teach you, they tell me, say, What's the way they do? I beg, Jared, I will come here with this. Because the test boards of the average Christian has been configured against teaching ministry. So there are many people shouting, Fire, amen, fire, amen, fire. But open the Bible. And they are like, Able ministers, now what do? Now what? What did Jesus use? Now what? He casted out devils by the word. He healed the sick by the word. His entire ministry was a fulfillment of what was written in scripture. This idea of ministry without scripture emphasis, Bible emphasis. I don't know what we want to do, but it's not ministry. The word is eternal. Hallelujah. The word is the sword of the spirit. That's what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18 calls it. Sword of the spirit. You want to know how are you going to fight? When Satan came to Jesus, he quoted the word. Hebrew minister, we don't know what. Ha. Now, quack doctor. You know, quack doctor? If that kind of person gives you syringe like this, now multiply your sorrow. <laughs> so, in, in the emphasis of 2 Timothy, it says the scripture furnishes, thorough furnishing. I like that word. I don't know if you have gone to a house that is not furnished and it's empty and your voices are echoing. <laughs> it's empty. That's, that's the picture of many believers, many ministers. There's no substance. There's a lot of noise. Ah! If I want to do noise, you know noise is so cheap and yet so attractive. It's like selling lollipop. It's sweet, but it doesn't satisfy. <laughs> I, I, I am grateful for my heritage in the faith. I grew up hearing Reverend George preach for three hours. You will rise. I was in the service one day. The woman beside me wrote, was, I thought I finished. She begged me, please tear for me. Her problem was that she was writing every scripture that she had. I said, Reverend George is preaching. You are writing scripture. There's not about an average of 100 scripture per sermon. What is wrong with you? If I not just here, I cannot give you cherry paper for you because my papa too is so finished. If I went to hundreds give you just one someone and it's causing so you want to be writing it. That was that's my heritage. When I see ministry, there's just a lot of noise, lousy folks shouting, shouting, shouting. He says, fire. And not be like that, they, they groom people. Not be like that, they, they mold people. Is the word. It is the education of the mind that transforms. People don't know. It's not falling. We thank God for falling now. But it, the, the move of the spirit is the word of God. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the spirit. Oh, the move of the spirit is the word. Oh, yes. 
That's what I'm telling you. We cannot influence the moral fabric of society. Because our concerts, our conferences, there's no, there's no deliberate attempt to shape the mind of men. And that's where the battle is. That's where the strongholds are. Strongholds is not in their, it's not in their legs, it's not in their ears, it's in their minds. That's where the arguments against God is. That's where the lies and deception that they heard from the traditions of their fathers is lodged. Until the word of God penetrates and breaks down, collapses those walls. We will say a lot, we will do a lot. We will say we are ministers. But when we check, where is the fruit? There will be nothing to show. Hallelujah. Able ministers, go back to the word, please. In the general setup of the average church 50 years ago, the, the world was central. There was Sunday school. And the world certainly held the bulk of time in the average service. Now we run six services. One, one hour every, every one, one hour distributed in six places. In that one hour, there's testimony, there's announcement. There's praise worship. There's an altar call for money. And we microwave the word for 15 minutes. It's not how long. It's like it is deep. It is deep. You saw an act. Paul taught through the night. Hey, midnight teaching. When, when last did you do midnight teaching? We know midnight prayer. We know midnight concert. But midnight teaching. When last did you have a flyer? Say midnight teaching. Somebody who slept in that meeting and died. <laughs> they picked him up. Say teaching continues. Continue. Hey, hey, good ministers. <laughs> are you listening? This emphasis of ere 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 time you say we are just shouting. We are playing. It can't raise the. It can't. It can't feed the generation that is coming. You are talking about a Twitter generation. The 80s have backed up their arguments with solid points. They are coming, you are saying, hey, hey, it's by fire. Which fire? Have you seen the, the arguments against the Christian faith? Well documented, well logically researched arguments. What was this? Eh? Arguments that the girl, the girl layer, like one of Jericho, very thick. You can't even live inside it. Arguments will make sense. That's what your children are going to be exposed to. The atheism philosophy is so, I mean, it's enriched. It sounds so cool. Huh? True, huh? They have taken advantage of the sufferings of the present age. If there is God, why is there suffering? How can you answer? Why do even evangelists fall sick? How can you answer? Ah, you must, you must know the word. The philosophies that the next generation is looking for, they are serious, serious fortified territories. And demons are sponsoring this knowledge. Oh, yes. Demons invest in anything against God. You, if you think that it's by doing a faji that will, will win the next generation, we, are, we, don't know what, we don't know what's at stake. We must labor in the world, we must master the world. That's, have you seen Sumerai playing with their swords? Eh? Hey, you must do the word like that. You, you must master it. So when you are wielding it, that's mastery. Glory to God. Yeah. So, the first yielding of the spirit, now word matter, 
yield to the word. Let me progress because of time. The second is consecration, which is also called holiness. However, I don't want to assume you know the the root meaning of holiness. So I'm going to break it down a little bit. You may know it's fine. You may not know it. We are all learning. Now, let me second Timothy two nineteen text for consecration. Um, in the old covenant you see the emphasis of consecration for the priest who was supposed to minister hallelujah I said hallelujah raise your hand and say I yield to the spirit one more time I yield to the spirit one more time I yield to the spirit okay now this yielding happens through consecration Paul here says the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knows them that are his. Let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Hallelujah. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore put himself, this has to be this way, so that God is never accused of partiality or bias. It has to be in your own hands. I told you. The, the frequency of divine expressions is not something that was predetermined by God. If a man is operating more in the power of God, more in the power of the Holy Ghost, it is that he has yielded himself. One of the yieldings, consecrations, if a man purge himself, God does not do the purging. This purging, God does not do it. There is the purging of salvation, God does that one. The purging unto redemption, God does that one. The purging of consecration, you get to do that one. Hallelujah. That's the way we affirm that God is not partial. That's the only way God will be justified as impartial. If anyone put himself, it shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So we yield by consecration. The idea of consecration, two broad ideas. The first is separation. Separation unto. I always use examples like this. This keyboard, now make up Yahama. Now Yahama keyboard. Is it for this fellowship? Hello. 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 This keyboard is Sabian. Who get them? Now I get them. If I carry and go club, it go work. It go work. But now I'll get them. Just keyboard go work is a club. It go work. But it good if I can't go club, it good. No good. Because it's dedicated unto church. Now I'm a Christian. If born again, you get Holy Ghost. That's not the point. It is dedicated unto church. This fan, if I can't go my house, it go work. If I want to go work. If I can't go good. Why now? It's dedicated unto church. So separation unto the sacred. That's the idea of consecration. Separation unto the sacred. The priests were separated unto the sacred. They were consecrated. Interestingly, you study Exodus, their consecration, you know, it was in their consecration ceremony that they were anointed. So more anointing is more consecration. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
I'll explain thoroughly. You will get it. It's something I've mastered. Something I'm actually called to teach. Consecration, holiness, also means distinctiveness, uniqueness. It is also separation in the sense of standing out. The phrase to describe God's holiness is not affirming, or the scriptures that describe God's holiness is not affirming God's sinlessness. No. <laughs> Even what you read as iniquity here, the text, the pretext, and the context does not necessarily affirm sin or show sin in the regular way. So when we say, Holy, holy is the Lord, I always ask your speaking audience, when you hear, Me, mommy, mommy, ma, holy, 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 when you hear me more to God, stop thinking about sinlessness. That's not the idea, fundamentally. The idea is Exodus 15, 11. Who is like unto thee? Oh Lord, who is like unto thee? Oh Lord, among the gods, who is like thee? Glorious in holiness. See, when we say holy, 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 it means you are in a class of your own. There's nobody like you. That's what it means by holy. Separation, distinction, uniqueness. First Peter 2 now, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Holy nation, peculiar people. Peculiarity and holiness, same. Amen. That's the idea. I'm saying that because the average Christian does not work in consecration because the benchmark is Sebi is not a sin. So if you call holiness living above sin, you have limited the concept. <laughs> Somebody thinks he's working in holiness because he's not sinning. <laughs> For the high priest, there was a garment he was supposed to wear. If he came before God, he had to wear that garment. Eh? So imagine he now says, if I wear this other garment, is it a sin? No, no, that's it. The phrase sin is even relative. What do you mean by sin? Many people say, if I sing that we do not sing, that's why you see the wretchedness of the Christian life now. The standard is, is it a moral sin? Have I broken the Ten Commandments? And you are a priest. You are living like a regular Jew. Even the regular Jew will not sing the Lord's song in a strange land. That's the standard. Are you listening to me? I drop the standard. That's why ability does not does not abound. It's not. So if it's not a sin, I can do it. If it's not a sin, I can do it. Holiness is not that. Separation to the sacred. I will tell an example. Now, the, the issue with God is that now consecration is in various levels. For instance, in the sense of the world is consecrated. In what sense? In the sense of creation. God created every human being. Is that not so? So God owns every human being. In a sense. Consecration is also an affirmation of divine ownership. It is separated unto as an affirmation of divine ownership. This is the name of this fellowship inscribed on this keyboard. No. Is there anything that has the inscription of the fellowship? It is. The chest has, have you? Okay, so that inscription consecrates the chair. So if somebody steals the chair, he has to probably scrape it off before he can use it legally. Are we still together? Come on, I don't tire. 
I will soon go. I promise you. I have like 30 minutes more. I will soon go. Lend me your ears for a few moments. Amen. Amen. Don't worry. I know I'm a difficult teacher. The conversations I raise are not the regular things that your your God generals may have been talking about. Mm-hmm. So to adjust to my frequency sometimes it can can be tricky. Like you know, when you so where is he going? What is he telling us? I understand. Even me when I hear myself, I say, guy, <laughs> this is the way they talk. <laughs> but now, if the Bible find solace in it, in a scripture, a scripture. I mean, I open Quran for you. I not open Quran. The Bible will talk. So, and you be Bible believing Christian, I be. Yeah, Bible believing believer. All right. Now, the issue with God is that there are. Now, so I was talking about general consecration. The world, in a sense, belongs to God. Roman uh, Revelation chapter four eleven. He has created all things for His pleasure. They exist. Is that not so? However, for instance, amongst all the world, the Jews were a, a separate nation. And God called them a kingdom of priests. So there was general Jewish consecration. Amongst all the Jews now, there was a consecration of a tribe. Are you following the sequence? Amongst all the tribes, there were consecrations of the priests. So the Levites existed. The priests out of the Levites also existed. That's another name. Amongst the priests, there were consecrations of the high priests. That's another name. Another name. Then, even after the high priest, there was Moses who could consecrate the high priest. <laughs> it was in categories. Iraq. In the New Covenant, is in the Old Covenant, if you are not a Levite, you cannot do some things. If you are not a priest, you cannot do some things. It was already chosen. If you are not a high priest, you cannot do some things. If you are not Moses, you cannot do some things. In the New Covenant now, everybody is welcome. Everybody is welcome. You determine what you want to be. And if you want to be General Vesu. Mm-hmm. can stay there. You go to heaven. You are in a great house. That's the sense that you belong already in a great house. But if you purge yourself, Hallelujah. If any man purges himself, in the old covenant there was no. Even if you purge yourself, if you are not a Levite, you cannot do something. In the new covenant, if you purge yourself, you will be a vessel of gold unto honor, fit for the masters. Use unto every good work. That's the inclusiveness we are talking about that the new covenant offers. So consecration goes beyond the the the, lim, the limit of the city's sin. Consecration lives as God's property. You live unto the Lord. You live as God's possession. Let me explain through marriage. Is there any sister here who honestly likes me? I don't mean in a romantic way. You just like my ministry. I appreciate my ministry. Say, Kobad, don't try. Anybody, your sister. I beg, now only one person I defend. Thank you for not falling, embarrassing me. Thank you. Come, man, what's your name? Eh? If you like me, I will take selfie with you after today. Now, least she will snap it. What's your name, man? Jane. So, yes, Sister Jane. Because she likes me, and I am, I like her too. I like her. Because I like her, there are things that I may use her for. For instance, if there's everybody here, if there's in the midst of this crowd and I need something, I might say, hey, Jane, Jane likes me and I like Jane. Jane, could you help me with that? Because of the likability we share. Amen. 
Amen. Okay. But that's a level of usury. Could you help me with that? There's a level of usury that this relationship cannot facilitate. For instance, if I tell Jane that, Jane, cook my favorite meal, Jane may be like, I don't know your favorite meal. We just met. Hello. I like you, but not be like that, too. Are you following me? Then if I now tell Jane, now, so, so if I tell my sister uh, in the flesh, cook my favorite meal, she may know. Okay? So that's two levels of usury. One can get me something. Jane can get me something else. My sister can cook my favorite meal. I'm still using. Amen? But in the day, I need something intimate. Like a hot kiss. Jane is not useful. Even my sister is not useful. The only person that can do that is my wife. Are you following me? So the consecration levels differ and determine the kind of using. Go back to your seat. Did you get the illustration? There are things that God will do for through you. General, general, general ministry. Go do general ministry. In a great house, there are many vessels. But you get where <laughs> you got some errands where we say. Now only wife will be sent. My wife is the only one that can enter my room without knocking. My child self cannot do that. As close as my child, my child is will be trained to when you knock. But my wife, my wife is one with me. Hey, are you listening to me? If you are comfortable with, at least I'm a Christian. You can't enter the deep things of God. You can't. You'll be having outer court conversations when there is a most holy place. Are you listening to me here? We have access, so, but many of us don't enter there because it's consecration. It's consecration. You, even if you attempt to enter, you're not going to know the road. Like somebody attempted to make my favorite meal, but she does not even know it. She has the skills, she has the money, but she doesn't know it. Because Although she wants to be useful, she may be oh, pray. oh God, use me. Oh God, I want to be used. Oh God. Eh, it's not by that one. No. If any man purchase himself, so purchase himself from what? The context of Second Corinthians, Second Timothy 2, verse 19 says, Iniquity. Let him that name it the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Put verse uh, 15. So you know what iniquity is. You know the standing of the priest. Fifteen, start from fifteen, please. Two, second Timothy two, fifteen. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Next verse. But shun profane and vain babblings. Shun what? For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Next. And their word will eat as dot a canker or a cancer, of whom is Eminius and Philetus. Who concerning the truth I've heard, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrew this faith of some, verse 19. Nevertheless, so the iniquity is actually false doctrine. That's the standard of the priest. Eh? If priests not getting doctrine correct, he has committed a great sin. In fact, that sin can lead somebody to eternal perdition. That's why God has to be strict with the priest. Remember, ministry is an, ministry has eternal impact. 
if you preach the gospel wrongly and because of your poor rendition of it, somebody believes wrongly about God, the person may never, ever, ever, ever be saved. And not your fault. Because you know master your book. So, even something as it's just that I did not get the doctrine correct. Paul causes iniquity. Iniqu- iniquity. That's just a general sense. But basically, the concept of purging yourself, cleansing yourself, is cleansing yourself means that. Okay, let me explain again. Bottle water, right? When I don't know, it is. Did I get the address wrong? Bottle water, right? I've been making a piece for PG. Is this bottled water? Okay, is this okay if I call it pure water? Okay, if I put it in sachet, is it pure water? See, see, your Nigerian mind there. Okay, permit me to call it pure water. Permit me. Is that okay? This water is pure because it is only water. I did not say holy water. Only water. It is holy. It is pure. It is mimo because it only contains H2O. If I put one drop of fire for life, is fire for life death? Is fire for life D I R T? But if I put fire for life into this, it is no longer pure water. So in chemistry, we say something is pure metal. It means it is only that stuff. Amen. So when we say a Christian is pure, sin is not the fundamental framework of that conversation. It is that all his life is towards one thing God. When he's marrying, he's thinking, who can I marry that will help me serve God better? When he gets a job, he's thinking, what job can I do that will help me serve God better? (laughs) That's the holy life. That's the pure life. That's the consecrated life. It's a life lived in singularity of purpose. Amen. That's why you now discover that the greatest need or the greatest thing to put out it's not necessarily devilish stuff. It's not satanic stuff. It's not demonic stuff. It's human stuff. Because it is humans that actually obstruct ministry, not necessarily Satan. So what Paul calls Second Timothy, Second uh, Corinthians ten, he says, "Human reasoning." We pull down human reasoning. Human reasoning. You know, because eventually the hindrance is actually more human than even satanic. So when you say as long as it's not a sin, I can do it. You don't know that for you to be potent and able, you must be single in essence. It has to be only God. Only God. It may be good, but if it's not godly, you don't want. It may be good, but if it's not God, you don't want. Hallelujah. I tell Christians, this thing you are watching, if Jesus was on a date with you, can you watch it with him? This thing you are singing, I say, it's not a sin, I agree. But if Jesus visited you physically, I say, Jesus, make I help you relax. What do you go play? 
And I've seen, I keep saying that many Christians will get to heaven and be bored. Because there, there is no mixture. So this idea of, when, we are, when, I, when I, I am not in church now, let me relax. <laughs> Do you know that the only scripture that is quoted from the old covenant with respect to tongues affirms that tongues is a means of rest and relaxing. Even the way you are relaxing, relax spiritually. Some of you relax for three weeks and you have not recovered. Because the kind of philosophies and ideologies you accumulated in your soul were still trying to tear it down. And it came when you began to relax. Hallelujah. Relax in the presence of God. Don't relax and forget God. Live unto the Lord. That's your consecration. Others may, but I cannot. It's your consecration. That's what makes for potency of ministry. I'm telling you, these are the secrets of our fathers knew. They may have not known much packaging as we do now, but those guys, many of them lived cave lives. You know why? Separation. Cave lives. Separation. Smithukus was called the apostle of faith. He will not even allow newspaper inside his house. Hey, newspaper. He said no. That they only say bad news. Consecration was high. That man used to raise dead man, dead, dead men, like 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 he was casting, like he was curing headaches. He would take dead men like this and punch and slam them to the wall. I said, get up! A, a, a corpse. That was how mad his faith was. But you know why? The only thing he could read, actually, for almost forty years of his ministry life, was the Bible. He could not read any other book because his English was not too good. It was only the Bible. If you read the Bible only, the potency of your ministry it will shock you. And I was telling us yesterday, and I was telling in terms of I was telling that medical people not to know book. That's one. That's one of the problems. Not to know book. John Gillick was telling a story in South Africa. A little boy broke his neck. And by breaking his neck, I meant that he died. John Gillick was educated. He understood that a broken neck of this kind is a burial ceremony preparation. So the illiterate that he was training in ministry did not understand. The illiterate had seen miracles that God could cure headache, God could fix broken hands. Cock of his broken leg. So he didn't understand. Broken hand, broken leg, broken neck. <laughs> so John was trying to tell the man that, you know, this one actually have to be buried. The guy said, I don't understand. Not be true, you got broken broken leg, he broken knee. Which one be broken neck? John knew that the guy is dead. So the illiterate mentee just took the dead boy into the man and said, just give me some minutes. Let me go and practice what you taught me. <laughs> but he did not come back. And the next day, John Gillick saw the mentee and said, ha, you just went like that. Where is the corpse of that boy? <laughs> the man said, which corpse? The boy that stood up and was going home. <laughs> he 
he stood up and went up to his mother after the prayer. John Dillard began to cry and say, God, remove unbelief from my heart. But unbelief happens because you too know book. When Jesus said this kind does not come without fasting and prayer, it's abstinence from natural information, not just food. Our generation go fast three days marathon, go depress Instagram. <laughs> three days marathon, you depress Instagram. You are accumulating unbelief. You think it's food that gives you unbelief. It's not food. It's not food. It's, 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 are you feed on natural stuff? The possibilities that exist in your soul are only natural possibilities. Because you too know book. And there are Christians who don't even believe in miracles again. Ah, smart Christians. I told you last, I didn't have time. One of your positioning in walking in the ability of the spirit is to learn how to be weak. Don't be smart. Don't be strong. Don't be smart. Be a fool. Be a fool. You too know book. You can't walk in the powers of the spirit. You're too natural in your reasoning. Hallelujah. So consecration. Some of you is a media consecration. Everything you watch, everything you hear, everything you see, there is no separation unto the Lord. You pray on your phone, you study on your phone. When the Bible, 30 messages enter, you check. You get distracted. You go back to your Bible reading about the frequency that is supposed to build up is lost. You don't know how to offer or even do flight mode if you want to preach or read on it. You don't know. You don't know when they say quiet time is separate time. You don't know. So you say, I'm not growing. This is why. You're not yielding to the spirit. And I'm not saying you don't speak in tongues. You may speak in tongues. But this consecration, tongue cannot make up for it. Hmm? It's not, you, can't, you can't cover it up. I'm just scratching. If any man cleanses himself, if any man purges himself, it shall be a vessel unto him. So our consecration differs. Pastor Adeboye, he fasts more than he eats in a year. Hmm? So when he stands and says, My daddy said that, he gets why? Eh? His own. <laughs> he may whisper it, but the impact, boom, because his consecration puts pressure on that anointing and explodes it. It's consecration that actually pressures the anointing. And you can try it. You can, you can tell yourself that for one week I will not read any other book. Maybe aside from my academic book and the Bible. I won't read newspaper. I won't read headlines. I won't read the gossip blogs. I won't scroll aimlessly on Twitter looking for what's not lost. And see how it changes your potency. It will shock you. You will be surprised that, ah, now maybe this is you. But you have been polished. You have been cleansed. You have been purged. Glory to Jesus. One more point, and maybe see the sequence of what I'm saying. Reliance on the Spirit and not on humanistic methods and weapons. I need you to be more divine than human. And I don't mean you will have immortal bodies, I mean you will have a divine mindset, you will have a divine reasoning. Ministry cannot be done with human power. We have been shouting about this, shouting about this. But the problem with our generation is that there are too many things we can do without God. 
A service can hold comfortably if God does not show up. People will still give offering. <laughs> Generous seed will still flow. A worship session can comfortably happen even if the Holy Ghost is grieved. We have mastered how to do without God. If He does not show up, if the Shekinah glory does not come, we know how to manufacture smoke. We have smoke engines now. If glory will not come, no worry. There is smoke. <laughs> we don't need God. We don't. And we want to run God's work. Hey. We don't need God. We don't need. How many people can say, this church, we have made a covenant that if God does not show up, we will not do anything. How many, people, how many people do church like that? You want to know the, the, the meaning? How many people pray like they depend on God? Our opening prayers are just to fulfill our righteousness. Father Lord, we welcome you. The beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega, come. There is no sense of church cannot hold without you, oh God. It is supposed to be the house of God. Until the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. If you don't come, there's no need we come in. We pray as if he will come. Ah, he will come. He likes our music. For the prayer, give the singer. She will sing the praise. She will sing down God. <laughs> like it's your village headmaster. You play the drum. We just come say, hey, they don't press my mumu button. They come. Say praises bring God down. People don't know what they're talking about. Praises bring God down. We verse, verse and chapter in the Bible. We are, what supports that notion? In a prayer. In Acts chapter 4, they were threatening the apostles. They went to their company and they said, Oh God, stretch your hands to heal. They prayed. There are too many things we can do without God. We have learned to be independent of the Spirit. We have packaged religion. The sermon can be preached without waiting on God. The preacher just needs to open a desk commentary bible or go on youtube and photocopy another sermon and come and say the lord told me me why now youtube tell them we have made it easy ministry is now easy <laughs> ministry made easy mmm or mme it's now easy so we can we, we have crammed the formula but we don't have the life you can read a book and just ah, at this point in the book let me come and preach it but you go talk oh Instagram slide good day, but life will not be dispensed because we have forgotten how to wait upon the Lord. Hmm? That's prayer, that's prayer factor is one of the ways we have reduced reliance on the Spirit. Have you ever considered how Jesus prayed? This is Son of God, one with God. Why did he pray as if he was going to die? Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 look for that Hebrews 5 8 okay let me check 7 or 9 this is central but this is I need to see the preceding now 7 when the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with read what is on your screen read it again Read it again. Kilo leto yen. Son of God. One with God. God in flesh. Kilo leto yen. Ah. 
is reliance. That's what Letonia is called the posture of reliance. <laughs> How many of us have become too tush? We don't know this dimension again. We are too posh, even in prayers. This is Jesus with strong crying and tears because he touched him. <laughs> if you don't walk your ministry to that point where you say, God, if you don't come, I cannot do it. You are not the ministry. You may be popular, you may be trending, you may be liked, but in the day they measure your fruits, there will be nothing. I'm telling you. There will be nothing. I tell music ministers, you must pray more than you realize because it's ministry, not showbiz. It's, if, it's, if you are a music minister, I ask how many hours do you realize? And I ask how many hours do you pray? Are you listening to me? People ministers is reliance. The early church were so poor as it were. They were so weak as it were. Peter said, See more gold. We do that. But that posture of poverty, blessed are the poor in spirit, made them have in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. We we have silver, we've got gold, we've got diamonds. But when last did we say in the name of Jesus rise up and walk? We are too strong. We are too rich. Like the church that Jesus rebuked in Revelation 2. We think we are rich. We think. We think we are strong. We think we are covered. Jesus looks and says, You are naked. You are wretched. You are blind. Goodness me, you are open dead. All this packaging that we have, ropes of religion. We know the structure. We know the system. After this, and this. After this, and that. That's why unbelievers can also do ministry amongst us. People who, in the day of the Lord, will be convicted of their sins, will comfortably run the show. Oh yeah, because just master the words, just learn the Christianese. Hallelujah! Praise God! I celebrate grace. Bless you. You master the Christianese, and what's left, you can run a church. What's left? We need to rely on the Spirit. All of our activities, that's why it's not producing anything of eternal value. It's not. Stand to your feet, let's pray. No time, so let's pray. I've talked. Let's pray. When you are here, when you are here, when you are here, pray. Pray the Holy Ghost, don't join me. Not yet. God is looking for a few hungry people. People who are saying, ah, okay, 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 okay. I've not been doing anything. Oh, so I've not been doing anything. That's what. We've applauded ourselves for nothing. What have we done? We've applauded ourselves for nothing. What have we done? Of what value is it in the realms of eternity? Why are we so quick to congratulate ourselves when we have done nothing? Ah. 
Do you still know how to weep? Strong crying and tears. Amakaba robo do Libra na mano shoko bagada basto kobra yekete. Makama nekele bekere besutu prendelesha. If you are praying, pray. You have very few minutes. Very few minutes. I'm done here. But I want to help you to do your own. 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 Register your reliance on the Holy Ghost. Moses said, if you don't go with us, we will not go. We will not go run them if you don't go with us. There's no need. We're doing it if you don't participate. Pour out your soul. Pour out your soul. That's why I thought I came to make you hungry. Strip you of the comfort and convenience that you have fed your soul with. Show you your true state and make you cry out to the Lord. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be helped. Come on, come on, come on. There's a starving as you pray. There's a starving as you pray. There's a starving as you pray. God responds to hunger. <laughs> As the dear pants for the water brooks, my soul longs for you, O oh God. We see not our signs. Ah, God, God, don't leave me like this. I yield, I yield, I yield, I yield, I yield for more, for more. This is not the climax. This is not your zenith. There is more. There is more. Come on, your consecration is your anointing. I live only to the Lord. I live only for the Lord. I live unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. by God's word today. Join us at the Redeemed Christian Fellowship University College Hospital as we worship God on our service days. On Sundays, Sunday school starts at 8 a.m. and the service at 9 a.m. at the Alexander Brown Hall Cafeteria. Also, join us on Tuesdays for Bible study at the Family Welcome Room UCH. On Fridays, fellowship with us with our Father at the Ayo Daily Fellowship Postgraduate Hall Tarmac in the place of prayer. God bless you as you do. Amen. Cheers!